0: Welcome to the Charlotte is Creative Podcast. Today's show features hosts Tim Miner and Matt Olin, speaking with Chaz Fagan, Charlotte artist and sculptor of the Captain Jack statue in Midtown, immediately following the May 4th Creative Morning Charlotte event at Resident Culture Brewing Company, where Chaz spoke about the global theme of commitment. While Chaz Fagan is perhaps most famous for his sculpting work, He is also an accomplished portrait painter and political cartoonist. Born in Pennsylvania, raised in Belgium, and educated at Yale, Chaz has cultivated a strong body of work, including commissions portraying Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and Neil Armstrong. In this episode of the Charlotte is Creative podcast, Chaz talks about the importance of commitment in his own work, how important it is for his kids to see him living a creative life, how he captures the essence of the subject he's portraying, and how it makes him feel to see people interacting with his work. Register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event, Friday morning, June 1st at 8.30 a.m. at the Fillmore Charlotte. The featured speaker will be Bread Baker, author, and Johnson and & Wales professor Peter Reinhardt, speaking about the global theme of craft. RSVPs will be open 9 a.m. Monday, May 28th. Don't forget to use the hashtag Charlotte is creative and tweet us at CM whenever you see Charlotteans showing their creativity.
1: Are we rolling? Oh, awesome! I, that's when he says, "Hey, you're good to go." It actually means the podcast. is Okay, great, awesome.
2: Well, guys, this is Matt Olin, Tim Miner, and our esteemed podcast producer,
0: Andy Go. Oh. When I say go, when I say go, go time. It's not just a pun. It's go time.
2: Yes. Okay. It is. We're gonna it we're gonna workshop that a little bit, but time. it is go time. Okay. Welcome to the Charlotte is Creative podcast, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we have just wrapped. Our May Creative Mornings Charlotte event. Number um, 30. 31, actually. Oh, it's 31. 31. Wow, I lost one in there somehow. Yep. number 31. 31 consecutive months of Creative Mornings gatherings with our amazingly creative city of Charlotte and its beautiful citizens. And, um, yeah, this one happened at Resident Culture Brewing Company over on Central Avenue and featured none other, th- none other than Chaz Fagan, um, as our, as our the main event, the keynote speaker on the theme of commitment.
1: I, you morning. know what? One of the great joys of doing creative mornings uh, and then starting this podcast and all that has been playing creative matchmaker, introducing people. Chaz, you, you're on the receiving end as I'm like shuttling you around this morning going, this is your new best friend. This is your <laughs> new best friend. You guys should hook up and work together. But I think it's it's truly our passion and our, and our privilege to, to take people who are doing stunningly creative work in Charlotte and introduce them to audiences that don't know, whether it's somebody that's lived in Charlotte for 50 years or someone that's been here for five weeks. We love saying these are the creative individuals in our midst who see the world in a different way, who jump in with both feet, get their uniforms dirty and really do the work of making our city and our community just more livable, more exciting, more exhilarating and, and interesting. And so Matt, you said it too. And and I don't, I'll, I'll end the preamble in a second, but during your opening remarks, um, you know, we've had now 31 speakers that we've worked with. Each one has been a joy, but I have to say that getting to know Chaz over the last couple of weeks and hearing your stories seeing your, your house, yeah, learning be, about your family. Spending some time in your studio with you. It's you incredible. Know, hanging out. It's just, it has been, this is not a labor. It's been so much fun. It's In some ways, I'm kind of bummed that today's here and gone because we got now have to invent and contrive more reasons <laughs> to uh, hear your stories. But I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm yeah, up for so it. So am I. So with, am I. with no further ado, why don't we go ahead and Matt, yeah. you introduce Well, him.
2: So, um, so Chaz Fagan um, grew up in Belgium. And in rural Pennsylvania, so a lot of your work, especially your earlier work, I think, is, was, was really uh, inspired by that landscape and that history uh, that's embedded in those places. Um, you are a self-taught artist, which is an absolutely incredible thing to me. Um, you graduated from Yale University with a degree in Soviet studies. Has that come in uh, pretty handy in the last uh, few months, a couple of years?
3: Uh, it came in only handy while I was cartooning. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> okay, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, you and your family. I know. I, I met someone this week who's interviewed you before, Michael Solander, and he told me that I needed to dig deeper on the whole Russia connection. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Here so, we go. Okay. It's just fake news. Teasing. It's just fake teasing.
2: News. Uh, you and your family moved here in 2002. You fell in love with Charlotte. You called it home, and now you're doing amazing work all over the world, right here in our backyard. And what's so interesting to me is that you're known, your work is known all over the world, but you live a pretty quiet, understated Existence here in Charlotte, and and so it's sort of like, is that by design or is that just the way it rolled out for you?
3: I think that's the nature of, of the artist's yeah. life. <laughs> I mean, you tend to be the guy alone in your studio, yeah, right? and then and that is the most creative time. So, uh, so no, it's partially accidental, but as an artist, you kind of aim that way.
1: Yeah, no I, doubt. I don't know. Going to visit your studio was for me like, uh, was like taking a trip to Narnia, you know, where, where <laughs> yes. you, have a, you have we a actually had to go through uh, yeah. wardrobe anyway. you have a wardrobe. You have a beautiful <laughs> home, but, and, but it's, you know, you're in a home, like you're visiting with somebody and you're like, here, come into this room and you open it up and there's just, it's like a whole nother world. It just is. Sculptures and paintings and, And, you know, tests uh, that you've done and and sculptures in different, you know, in different phases of their construction, (laughs) just amazing works of art scattered on the
3: Yeah, I feel like I had walked into Dumbledore's office or something.
1: It was absolutely amazing. It was like going into a totally different world in in, in the middle of the Charlotte suburbs. It was incredible. So we
2: are going to actually give, believe it or not, we're going to give Chaz some time to talk on this podcast <laughs> yes. because it's it's the Matt and Tim You'll show. You'll never right believe
1: now. his stories, but we're going to tell you all about You'll them. You'll never
2: hear them either. <laughs> yes, um, but first, shall we start with uh, the lightning in. round? Let's dive in.
1: Okay, so why don't you explain why we start all with right, the lightning? So round? So a lot of uh, many podcasts that we've seen, they wait till the end to do the lightning round, right? But you've you've just given a talk. You're probably coming down off the adrenaline a little, little bit, so we want to give a jolt to the system and ask you some non-sequitur questions. You just answer with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? So, softball. What's your hometown?
3: near Pennsylvania.
1: All right. What, what, does, does, what is that town known for?
3: Uh, known for being the home of uh, Arnold Palmer. <laughs> oh. The,
1: the, the person or the drink?
3: Uh, both. Actually. Okay. I <laughs> just to be clear, we are sitting in a but
2: establishment I, that serves alcohol, so I was.
3: It's also just definitely known for its history. There's a there's an old fort there from the 1750s, French Indian War fort, and that's the the tourist attraction for the town. Those right. those
2: are them. So walking around the fort, sipping on an honorable Palmer. <laughs> check check done. I, 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 that just means that
1: history has been in you from from the very beginning. Then.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah.
3: All right. What do you listen to when you're sculpting? <laughs> My kids are going to kill me. <laughs> um, that's why we asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, uh, I found that um, uh, when working, uh, it's, as an artist, that is, it's always good to actually try to turn your brain off mm. and just let it happen. And sometimes you have to force it because of deadlines. And when you need some of that extra push, I tend to go for, uh, for stuff that people don't think of, which is Smashing Pumpkins.
1: Really? <laughs> nice. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, Any particular right. album? Or just the entire catalog?
3: Oh, this is the double album. I can't even come up with the name of it. Uh, it's, it's, melancholy and Infinite Sadness? Exactly.
1: All right, I do have a quick
2: follow-up question. Do you snack on anything while you're working as well? No, no. No snacking, no food fasting. near the
1: work. The fasting artist. Fasting artist, yes, please. <laughs> All right, when you arrived in Charlotte for the first time, your first thought was?
3: Oh, it was just stunningly beautiful. Great place, but actually what hit immediately were the people. Mm. Uh, and I think, I mean, I, I can tell that immediately on arrival, I had to, I had to figure out how to, to photograph a portrait and get it to New York City. So I had to get a photographer. I had to find out how to make something out of a crate. And, um, and all that happened with just a few phone calls to, to the museum and some people recommending other people. And I basically, in those first days, I suddenly had my network, yeah. my absolute backbone of friends, people who could, I could always go to for help. Yeah. Amazing.
2: There is a deep
1: well of creativity and creative people here sort of at the ready. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge sometimes in Charlotte, now that's not to say that there aren't access challenges. I don't want to make it seem that it's easy to dive, dive in for everybody. Absolutely. But, but often it's, it's ask. It's just ask. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, I know that's what we're trying to do with Charlotte with with Charlotte's creative and creative mornings is help everyone build up that network so that you just have to ask the universe for what you want.
2: Yeah. Okay, Chaz, who is your favorite cartoonist?
3: Uh, Jeff McNally.
1: Yes. Okay, good choice. Solid.
3: Immediate. no no no, no, no hesitation there. No, no, no. on that.
1: Okay. Right. I can I can say for the, the child of, of a of a would-be cartoonist, Jeff McNally was required reading in the minor household. Got it. Cool. All right. Uh, you say yes a lot. Okay. You dive into to things a lot. Um, what do you but what do you hope no one ever asks you to do? <laughs> oh
3: jeez. <laughs> um
1: Gut, gut answer.
3: Yeah, kind of that some some kind of a risque portrait of. Some oh, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. A pr- of a
2: president.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go.
2: Well, now you, you may have trouble. World again. <laughs> you guys, you exactly. may
1: have trouble with your catalog for the current president then, because there's <laughs> not much so, other subject matter lately. <laughs> yeah, that.
2: no doubt, no doubt. Okay. What is your favorite dad chore? And what is your least favorite dad chore? Oh, my
1: gosh. Because we know you're very
2: involved. Well, there,
3: there are lots of those, though. That's the problem. Yep, nope, I Choosing, know. Choosing, yes, might take a while to choose. It's true. But uh, there is the, there's, with uh, two uh, girls who are now almost 20, one, well, oldest, almost 20, uh, the sink, the sink drain. Uh-huh. is the bane of my existence with the,
2: with the hair down there you're talking it's about it's the yeah. hair
3: It's yeah. I don't know what goes down there but it's, it's when it's down there yeah. it, it develops a whole other life <laughs> and <laughs> It's, it, it needs it to is. be removed. That's, yeah, that's it's the like worst. the
2: chamber of secrets. You got like
1: yeah. you got the big serpentine creature down there. There's a reason that that, that that is a a horror movie trope, some nasty thing coming out <laughs> I mean, of the drain. the drain. Yes. It's for it's for dads who have grown up with 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 wives and daughters. You gotta deal with that. Well how about your favorite thing? What do you like to do with
3: your with your girls? Uh, and, and son, I think the and son, sorry. Uh, over time, while they were growing up, my favorite was just the the my studio was the stop after they got home from school. So just come in, check base, and that's it. And so for me, it was great. So I, I'd, I'd have a gauge as to what was going on. But then sometimes I'd hang out. I had a, a sculpting area for the kids when they were little. So just there was always something there to sculpt. And inevitably, they'd create great stuff. Yeah.
1: And I, you know what? I want to get into I want to put a pin in this and circle back because uh, that, that's been one of my favorite things to think about with you is that you've committed to a life of, of art, and, and that was a fam, it's become a family commitment. And, and I think that's just a beautiful part of your story. So I want to, I want to get back to that. I want to make sure we okay. put that in the parking lot. Pin officially. All right. In. So is, is there a, is there a particular person living or dead or, or thing that you've yet to been, uh, have the opportunity to sculpt, but you really, you just in the back of your mind are like, someday I hope I get to sculpt that.
3: Oh, there's always tons of stuff. The, um, Here's the silly part. I can say that there's, I'm working on one now. I'm proposing one now, so we say. And it's, it's all embargoed, so I can't share it. <laughs> can, we, but, can you redact portions of a podcast? <laughs> that has to look to the experts. That's our podcast. Yes, yeah. like, I'm looking at you, Go. We'll make something happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, there, but just the other, th- I always have stuff floating in my head as to what I want to do. And there's one that I've started to actually build. And it's just a model, but it's um, uh, it, it, capturing the moment before a big decision. I always like that 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 idea. Oh yeah! And I I was I'm uh, huge into literature and and mythology and um, the, the Odyssey, et cetera. Et cetera. And um, because of that, just growing up, um, I'm playing with an idea of Icarus. Mm. Oh. But Icarus is like a, a fairly grown kid, and he's he's trying to build up that courage to make that big decision. But in the meantime, he's just fiddling with a feather, you know. Mm. I love that. And it's that. So that. I think I'm hoping that was the next one to come out. I love that
1: subject too, because, you know, again, if you're familiar with how it works out for Icarus, we know it doesn't work out so well. But well, I guess he did get to fly. Let's, let's say that. (laughs) But I mean, I think that moment of that we all face. And I know you face as as an artist where you make a decision on how you're going to, to approach a particular subject. And and it's going to make all the difference. It's either going to be a wonderful success or it's not going to come out. But that's that getting to that decision and making it is such, such a skill in life. So I love that subject.
3: It's that, that little moment, you know, It's just before you're making that decision. And I, I'm, I I'm
2: sure through the story of the Odyssey that there are plenty of moments like that for Odysseus, too. So <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of the Odyssey. So uh, if there's any moments like that, that you want to pull out and bring to life, too, this i would is, I'd be first in line to put a bid in on it. This
1: is the point in the podcast where we say that not only did you get a mug uh ceramic mug for uh, for being our speaker today, we'll also be giving you a DVD of Matt's <laughs> senior year high school video project of the yeah. Odyssey. Yes Whoa. I recreated the Odyssey in high school. It had a, it, <laughs> on it, video. it had a mega well you probably had about a fifteen dollars budget for that one. It was pretty much very impressive,
2: yeah, yeah. The bag of wind was uh, essentially you, pull, you open up a paper bag and there was a fan in it.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Pretty ridiculous.
2: Okay, so wrapping up the lightning round is on May the 4th. May the 4th. Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. The question is, Chaz, what is your favorite Star Wars movie?
3: Well, Return of the Jedi.
2: I think that's a
1: solid choice. I have to—I think I have to agree with you on it, that It's in the original trilogy, so yes. I'll allow
3: it. LAUGHTER <laughs> The uh, true confession is I've seen it more recently than when I was 16 or whatever it was.
2: Yeah, so you got the proximity factor going on there for and, you too. Uh,
3: and yeah, it may not be the highest level, but but for me it's that whole memory.
1: For me it's the uh, nostalgia factor. I, I, I would oh, yeah. say that too. I don't think I've ever been more hyped up for anything in my life than when it's the Return of the Jedi came. Stood out.
3: in line for hours, ended up choosing this front row. Oh.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that'll that'll be an indelible memory. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gotten through the froth. Now we gotta get to the. To the rich, to to the rich Corinthian coffee. All right.
2: All right. So these are longer form questions. So I just want to dive a little bit deeper into you, your story, and your work. And we'll start out with this. Um, You know, we're exploring the theme of commitment today. And actually 183 other chapters around the world are also this month exploring the theme of commitment. So it really is a global conversation around this theme. What we'd love to hear from you, Chaz, is how vital is commitment to the creative process for you?
3: I think it's foundational. It's yeah. just, it, it, you can't you can't move forward in creating anything without being totally committed to it. Yeah, um, and that could be the the process. You're committed to the art itself. You're committed to you know moving paint around or clay around and loving that. But in the art, you've got you've got the whole soul of the art that you're working on, and that has to come from somewhere. And so you've got to commit to that. You've got to commit to the story you're doing, or, yeah. or theme, or research, and in, into a person you're representing all that
2: yeah well you know some of my disciplines that i practice are writing um i'm a musician and in in those crafts i have hit moments in pieces of work whether it's a new song something i'm writing where i i do start to hit a wall and i feel my commitment start to dissipate start to wane do you hit those moments and and if so what do you what do you do in that moment what do you what do you do about it
3: yeah they're very real because uh you have to be excited by what you're doing, yeah. Or it's just not going to come out the way you want it. Yeah. Um, so that, that there are some realities. Sometimes there's that deadline. That's the uh, inspiration, right? <laughs> so there's no 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 question you can slow down or do anything like that. But the uh, the main thing is just dropping it. So I have I <laughs> my studio is a little more cluttered now than it was a few years ago, which I have to work on. But the um, I have a, a section like a closet basically where I can stand uh, canvases. So if I'm struggling with something, I can put it away, literally Mm. out of sight. The main thing is out of sight. Mm. And then pull it back out a few days later, and you have a fresh look, a completely fresh energy on it. And then you can dive back in.
2: There's almost like a little bit of absence makes the heart grow fonder going on there, too, it seems.
3: Yeah, and and I found the same with sculpture. And that one I, I like having lingering about. So having a sculpture that you're working on, hanging out in the studio is good. Because it's only in the corner of your eye that you see, oh, that's a mistake, or you know, his face doesn't quite look like that. Yeah. Um, But it's so that's that's the key, and the key there is uh, on the reality side is the the clay. I use a synthetic, you know, art or oil-based clay, and so it doesn't dry, which means you have that freedom to be able to just suddenly walk up to a piece and push clay around to make a cheek bigger, smaller, whatever it is.
2: Got it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, as I recall, you shared that sometimes when these sculptures uh, sculptures live in your studio with you, they'll scare the bejesus out of you. Sometimes is that
3: right? <laughs> well, the, the worst is not necessarily in the studio because they become you know part of that space. But the uh, when working on bigger pieces or it's so a life size and larger out at the foundry, uh, it's it's to so imagine just a huge open steel building space, a lot of just cavernous dark when you're there at night, and uh, and in that kind of dim light, stuff can happen. <laughs> and in, when you're up on a scaffolding or up on a scissor lift or something where you have no escape and suddenly <laughs> something feels like he's looking or feels like they're moving, you know, that you, the instinct is to run and you can't quite run off a ladder.
2: Is that a little Dr. Frankenstein moment going on there? I mean, you created the thing. Yeah, it's your fault. And now it's coming at you. Yeah. Yeah, I've,
1: I've, I've, I've seen a Twilight Zone episode about that. And that's, uh, there's one where the guy's late night working in the wax museum and he's just like, convinced that the wax the wax figures are coming to life no, it doesn't yeah. take
3: much for the convincing that is
1: um so I, I, one thing i'm struck by is so you paint as well as, as, as well as paint sketch and yep. sculpt is it is it hard for you to switch gears when you've been working in three dimensions and then go work in two dimensions do you have to No,
3: no not really the it's even in approaching a painting when you think of a landscape um, I always think of it as kind of a big hole in the wall, and you're trying to try, trying to paint. What is this view, this window that you can step into? So you've got a lot of depth going on all the time with a mm-hmm. um, with a portrait. The same idea. You try to imagine that person right in front of you, it's fully 3D, looking back at you, and so it's it's all 3D in your head. Yeah. And it's just sometimes you do it in paint, and sometimes you do it in clay.
2: Yeah. It's a remarkable talent to be able to toggle between different mediums. I think I, I'm I'm in awe of it. And I think a lot of a lot of folks who who may focus on one discipline would see someone like you who can toggle between two different disciplines and just be like, "How does he do it?" But you know, I think it's a lot of it's innate too. I think this is part of the gift that you've been given.
3: I, and the other and the other confession though, is I think that's what keeps me sane, too. You get, you know, as you say, when the energy starts to weigh in on any particular thing, you can shift gears and jump totally into something different. Work on that and then pull the piece out from the closet and revive yourself yeah. into that project. So it, it's a great method. Yeah. I recommend it. That's awesome. I recommend it. All right. Let me ask you this. How important do
2: you think it is that your, your children get to watch you live a creative life? You know, what, what has your creative career meant to your family?
3: Well, you know, as a dad now, I can I see the perspective uh, of my own childhood, too. Uh, my dad was a self-employed guy uh, who had his, quote, office in the closed-in porch in our house. But it meant that, you know, the whole house was it. And, uh, you know, we had a telex machine in the front closet. We had a copier in my bedroom because of, you know, the circuits in the house. The only way to... <laughs> the electricity could sustain the big monster Xerox machine was you, up in my you room. You slept in the mail room. <laughs> just, you know. Yes,
1: exactly. Just go back to bed. I'm, I'm on a deadline. <laughs> yeah.
3: So I, I kind of understood that old teamwork to begin with, and I'm just tickled that I, I kind of get to do that again with my kids. Yeah. I didn't know the impact it had on me until later, so mm. I, I, I like that. I like the, uh, the lessons that are not official lessons. So I, I don't really teach my kids when it comes to art. I, in general, I want them to kind of develop their own. And so it's more of this osmosis, just uh, just feeling it and and seeing how you can you know pretty much chart your own path if you can.
1: Beautiful. I, you know, I love that. I, I think um, we're, we we want to as parents so much control everything, right? Control the outcomes, and and we we all. I, I know I have. I'll make it a personal thing. I'm early on in, in parenting, and up until recently, it's. I'm trying to be conscious. Am I teaching them something? Are they learning something from me now? And my kids are 13 and very close to 15, and I'm starting to see the stuff that I took pains to go, pay attention to this, I'm teaching you now. I don't know if that took hold, but it was what I was doing when I didn't know that they were watching, good and bad, that I know that they've that they've caught on to. And I look back at my own childhood. Again, my father didn't say, you will be a cartoonist. You will do this. He just opened it up and he had books around and mm. invited me to just tag along and do stuff. And it wasn't, I want to teach you this, son. It was just sharing with me what excited him. And those are the things that have formed me as an adult so much more than let me sit down and teach you this, you know, these pearls of wisdom. It was just being yourself and give, and being authentic and giving your kids access to it. That's so, that's so important, yeah. you know, slackening that grip.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, it
1: sounds
2: familiar to what you're saying, Chaz. I mean, just your kids being able to sort of bask in the glow of the work you're doing and just to be in that energy.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. Or just be invited to, to take part in it. And, and to take part in it. Yeah, yeah.
3: exactly. Well, that, that they've done. And I try to rip them in on all projects. When they were really little, I, we had a rule that uh, whenever I would start a maquette, so start a two-foot figure in clay, mm-hmm. I'd have the metal out there. You know, it looks like a stick figure. And then I would sit down with the kids, and they would take the clay and stick it on the metal. So mm-hmm. they were actively you know, starting the, the sculpture.
1: So Chaz, one thing that in going to your studio and watching work in progress, um, you know, it, and watching how you stage a sculpture and you build the, the armature and the musculature, especially if it's a human underneath, you know, it made me think we live in a world right now that's very obsessed with surface. You know, whether it's taking a, a picture of yourself, you know, and I don't want to vilify selfie culture because not all of it's bad, but we're, you know, very much, how do we look? What do we look like? What are the optics on that? And then you look at news and and how we don't really get into the meat of a story. It's all, so much of it is soundbite driven or headline driven. Okay. It, it strikes me to ask how important in sculpting, I think, and in life, is it to study and really get to know a subject and then build what and, and and build the framework of what's underneath to have a successful outcome. Because it starts to use so much not only you know preparation on the work, but historical and, and anecdotal and personal research on all your topics.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's like uh, building blocks. You just you gotta start low and you gotta start with the foundation of knowledge and things like that. And then you just keep moving higher and higher and higher. But it, it also just becomes a, you know, logistical reality. So with sculpture, let's say you're working on a figure, uh, you gotta figure out a way to make the clay stand up, and that's wire of some sorts. You start with a stick figure and wire, and then you gotta put muscles and meat on that, and that's clay. So now you're, you're doing a figure of clay, and then, then comes the clothing on top of that. And the reason for that is just that you can see, if you see like a, a sleeve or someone's arm, uh, and you might have those perfect wrinkles and the perfect design with the perfect pull from the elbow, you know, all that kind of stuff that could be just great. But then you've accidentally made a, uh, a, a gouge too deep in a, in a uh, fold. And you won't notice it until it gets bigger or until you look at it a long time and you realize that there's just something wrong with that darn arm because you've managed to gouge out what should be, a, you know, a muscular side of it or something. And it's, so it, everything relies on the previous step, basically.
2: This rea- I was just going to say, th- this was a very eye opening uh, thing for me as we got to know you and your work. Um, because it never occurred to me that great sculptors actually do create the figure underneath that, that is underneath the clothing first, and then put, you put the clothing on the figure. I mean, so it, it has the true depth that, a, that a, any of us do wearing clothes. Um, mm-hmm. And that to me was just, I'd never even considered that. But it makes so much sense to hear you talk about it.
3: I mean, I don't know how many other people do that. I just know that that's for me. It, it's the only logical way to go. Wow! Yeah, it, it does make it a little you know confusing sometimes when you have a recognizable figure or at least a recognizable face. It's only about an inch and a half or two inches tall on your figure. Um, but uh, you know, people walk in and realize that this this recognizable person has no clothes. You know, mm-hmm. but other than that. It's it's more just a stepping stone of getting the to that final, has no clothes,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so to speak. Uh, you know what though? I think uh, for one thing, it reminds me very much. My dad, when I was younger, gave me a book drawing comics the Marvel way, and and that was the thing. Like they said, don't strike for the perfect picture at first. Build, start with a stick figure, then you put muscle musculature on it. You get the shape right, and then you can start adding clothing and details and all of that. Exactly. But what also strikes me is you you're called on to do Portraiture and you know busts and and sculpture and that means you've got to you've got to get to know your subject really well in order to bring their spirit forth. So not just the physical appearance, but then those, you know, I think we've all seen sculpture that looks it looks like a sculpture. It looks lifeless. You have a quality that you're able to capture personality in your work,
3: and that's in the everyday work too, because you uh, uh, you're trying to. With every stroke of the paint or with clay, and I'm trying to get a likeness. I don't really know what direction I'm going in. I'm just trying to pull them out. I'm trying to make sure that what is in front of me kind of looks like them. And if you if you spend enough time with the subject, if they're living, if they're deceased, if you you know looked at tons and tons of photographs to get a good feel for them, um, that's what you're aiming for: is trying to uh, imagine them in front of you and pull them out. It's it's you know, it's just the way it works. Yeah. But, you know, If it's someone you get to meet, I love it when you're talking with them and you finally see that little spark, that little hook. It's a great expression. It's like the moment they're about to say something funny, but they're hesitating. It's that that little, little moment. Those are the things that I, I seal in my brain because every time I look at that painting, I want to be able to see that fun expression again. Mm. And that's what I try to pull out.
1: Yeah. I, you know, case in point, one of the pieces of artwork that we blew up was a, a beautiful portrait of, of Barbara Bush. And... and um, I just, the way that you captured her, you know, that there's a lot of, there's, we'll put this picture up with a podcast, but there's, there's, that's a knowing smile. And that can only, <laughs> I know you spent time with her, you know, how was, how was this last two weeks, you know, oh. where, where, where we've lost her?
3: Where's yeah, it? well, lots of lots of memories with the, I mean, I'm sure she'd be happy because the, all I've been doing pretty much is smiling, even though, uh, obviously this is very sad news, but, uh, her, her, uh her presence, so being with her at any time meant that you were laughing. Mm. So it's constantly, um, I mean, so the example for me is I was always, I was worried. I was starstruck, you know, you arrive, I'm in I'm in Maine, I get to their house, I don't know what to expect. Um, it, you walk in, it's a normal house, uh, they're normal, and then within a few minutes, suddenly this lady in front of me is teasing me. And, like family. <laughs> and at that, that point is- I realize, I. This is good. This is it. amazing, and so from then on, that's all it was. If you're just willing to take that tease all the time, that's what it was with her. It's wonderful. I still, you know, it still makes me smile right now. The um, her, she she had a great force. Just a personal force. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But that that twinkle in her eye was very real. She would she would get you with that. So that's what I tried to catch.
2: Wow. So we're talking about your work, and you have, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, you have amazing pieces all over the world some of them very high profile and in very high traffic areas um in, in, including right here in charlotte i mean captain jack on the horse on the greenway i mean that is a very high profile piece people see that all day long every day um when you see people interacting with your work how does it make you feel
3: As the best feeling yeah. in the world and that's that's what it's there for but the i mean it the coolest thing for me is, you know, I, I love the stories. So I, I build up the stories, learn the stories, and I try to capture them. But on the, just the, the great way to think of it, especially with kids, is that uh, if they approach a statue or a portrait, they're approaching it fresh. And suddenly that story, just like you know, pushing a button in a museum, suddenly the story gets to be retold again. Yeah. So every time someone new steps up to it, that story gets to be retold again. Yeah. So I, I love that. Yeah. love it.
2: I think if I were in your shoes, I'd probably spend, be spending a lot of time on the Greenway. <laughs> I just got hanging out on a park
1: bench, just watching people go by, interacting with it. That's me. I I find my I mean this this sounds really silly, but it's it's absolutely true. I drive past the 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 Captain Jack almost on a daily basis, so I've taken to waving because I actually feel <laughs> like I know him now. I mean, a little better you know. now. Little and better. we actually we had a we did a quiz show on Wednesday, and um, one of the people that worked on it. Like is a what I can't actually use on this a family friendly podcast. I can't use how much she loves the Captain James Jack story. <laughs> you know, it was it, I I love him, and then expletive expletive a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, she said she's just absolutely in love with that with that sculpture. Yeah, well, it's a remarkable piece. So you know, we could unfortunately we've got a we've got to close out. We could sit here all day swapping stories. So maybe maybe we'll hoist one today at five thirty, um, but. The last question we always ask our guest is, "What advice do you have for Charlotte?" For Charlotte, as we are on our, uh, you know, our civic journey, our creative journey, right? What What advice do you have? For it the could city be, of it Charlotte? could
2: be, you know, for our city. It could be for its citizens. It could be for its creative, uh, you know, adventurers out there. Um, you know, but you know, whatever comes to you when you're asked that question.
3: Well, I mean, I think because I'm in Charlotte. It feels like Charlotte is on the right path. I've, you know, I, I can't... On the creative side, it's it's open to creativity. It's a, it's a unique city because it, you know, inadvertently, I guess, its own history kind of disappeared for a while and now it's recapturing it and trying to grab it again and, and make their own character. And I think that's just wonderful. And if you can... Let's get back to Captain Jack. If you can get that, that sense of uh, independence and character and will and determination and all those things happen in a society, then it's going to keep moving forward. But I, I mean, so when my instinctive reaction there when you said, Charlotte, I was like, well, they're doing great.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, New South, You know, everyone's always talking about the history's gone here. And you are a be- playing a huge role in changing that. You're capturing that history. You're bringing it to life in front of us. And so that alone is
1: a huge gift to our city. Yeah. I think what my takeaway from today... I'm going to go with your grandmother's advice. As we're all on the right path in Charlotte, if we see some mud puddles, we just need to jump Jump into them with both feet. feet. Both (laughs) feet,
2: baby. Both feet. Um, Chaz, thank you so much for sitting down with us on the podcast, for giving that great talk at Creative Mornings Charlotte this morning, and for being committed to your craft and committed to the city as well. We are deeply grateful. And it's been a a pleasure to get to know you. Absolutely. Thank
3: you. Well, thank you.
2: All right, so we got through another episode. We did, and we're going to try it again next month with Peter Reinhardt. We're going to commit. We are going to commit to learning more about Peter Reinhardt, the beard award-winning baker, as we
1: explore the word craft. We're next going, month. Yeah, we're going from the master of sculpture to the master of pizza. I okay. mean, this is we're getting hungry already. This is this is the world's greatest non-paying job it ever. It really is. Our <laughs> business model stinks, but, but the, I'm having a blast. The doing benefits, it. the benefits are fantastic.
2: All right, Andy, go. Is it go time? It is
0: time to stop time. Oh, oh yeah. he is <laughs> I thought you were going to say it
1: was time to go.
0: Go. Well, <laughs> it's the back end of stop.
2: It's the other side
0: of We're going to keep time. talking about
2: this after we stop recording. All right. See you later. Bye.
0: Thanks again to Chaz Fagan for speaking with us and thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the Charlotte is Creative podcast. Let us know what you think by tweeting us at CM underscore CLT and using the hashtag Charlotte is Creative. Register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event, Friday morning, June 1st at 8.30am at the Fillmore Charlotte. The featured speaker will be bread baker, author, and Johnson & Wales professor, Peter Reinhardt, speaking about the global theme of craft. RSVPs will open at 9 a.m. Monday, May 28th. For more from Charlotte is Creative, check out charlotteiscreative.com.